0: back it's your boy matty g back as always with colby patnode after week one here to discuss all of the action in the hawks nest including trades week one waivers um let's get right into it how's it going colby
1: uh it's going pretty well for me you know i didn't uh run my mouth off and Get made to look like an idiot on Monday night, so I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm chilling. Uh, You know, Seahawks one and zero. Russ is zero one, looking like the fool that he is. Mediocre quarterbacks playing mediocre, tapping themselves out on fourth and five to let their kicker kick a 64 yarder miss, and then blame him for missing. Yeah, the Russell Wilson playbook.
0: You got to stand that guy right. I I should have known this was coming. Uh, This I I mean, folks. This had just, to be the this had to be the way that this that this podcast started.
1: You know what, man? You run your mouth, You're wrong? People like to tell you about it.
0: What can I say? This this is true. This is true. Fair so, enough.
1: Do you, are you familiar with my my big theory here, Matt? You're on this? And I I promise we're not gonna we're not gonna harp on this too much because we have this just massive and somewhat confusing trade that's probably gonna take up most of the show. Um. So my theory on this is is pretty simple. Um, The reason they didn't go for it on fourth and five, Russ didn't want to. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Oh, boy. All right. Here we go. First of all, minute left, right? He lets the clock run down. He doesn't call timeout. Say, well, his coach has to call timeout. No, he doesn't. Anybody on the field can call timeout. And we all know, we know this is a fact that Russell is in charge of literally everything in Denver. He's the guy. He's absolutely the guy. He's the head coach. He's LeBron James of the Denver Broncos. He runs everything. So he doesn't take a timeout. He lets it run all the way down. Why? I don't know. Unless, Look. unless, ah, let me finish, unless he doesn't want the ball. Now, why doesn't he want the ball, you say? Well, let's think let's link about this from you know, a, a PR standpoint. And if you don't think Russ thinks about this type of stuff, you're lying to yourself. Now, if... They make the field goal, right? The Broncos Mm -hmm. win. Russ gets credit for driving his team down the field. And, you know, game-winning drive. Game-winning drive, after all. If he doesn't make it, right? If he doesn't make it, uh, then it's not his fault. His head coach decided to kick the field goal. And he, by the way, Russ was very clear to make it, you know, was, was very intentional in making it clear. Well, actually, I did my job. Our kicker said 46 left hash. Where'd I get him? 46 left hash, right? So, you know, he said he can make it from there. He didn't. Oh, well. So Russ goes into Seattle. He wins. Awesome. I get what I want. He loses. Well, not my fault. No risk to Russell Wilson. None. It's just throw his kicker under the bus, throw his head coach under the bus if they miss. And that's what happens. It's not his fault. Nobody's blaming Russell, right? Zero people are blaming Russell Wilson for that loss. Zero. Exactly the way Russ wants it. So if you don't think for one second that Russell Wilson thinks like that, you've never paid attention to Russell Wilson. Everything Russell Wilson does is an act. It's an illusion, including the way he plays the quarterback position, right? It's just smoke and mirrors and, oh, look over here. Look how great I am. Look how great I am. But in reality, Russ wants so desperately to be loved and accepted by every single person on earth that he runs these plays and he puts on this like fake persona about him. And we see it all the time. We see horny Russ. We see corny Russ. We see dad bod Russ. And we just see him try to be a chameleon and fit in all these other places. And it just doesn't work because he doesn't have that swagger. He doesn't. Russ is is a nerd and that's fine, but he won't embrace that because Russ is obsessed with PR so much. So that in his mind, in his calculus, the best case scenario for how that game would have ended is that McManus makes that field goal. He gets credit, uh, for, you know, game-winning drive and I'm the one who did it. But if he misses always playing both sides, if he misses, not my fault. I did my job. Head coach didn't take the timeout. Head coach decided not to go for it. The kicker told us left hash 46. Not my problem. I did my job. And by the way, if you think McManus seriously told him left hash, 46-yard line, I'm good. You're fucking insane. <laughs> no kicker on earth says that. And by the way, no, no head coach or quarterback should listen. If a guy says, oh yeah, I can kick a 64-yarder in the north end zone. No, no, not happening. Sorry. Russ tapped out. He didn't want to go for it on fourth and five because if he didn't get it, right? if he didn't convert fourth and five, who gets blamed for the loss then? Russell Wilson. If they miss a 64-yarder, who gets the blame? Not Russell Wilson. Win-win for Russ. Except for, you know, he lost. So that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. I actually think it's very elaborate, and I also think it's totally something Russell would do. That guy's a phony. He's a loser. And I hope he goes 0-17. But you know what? The best he can do is 16-1, because unfortunately he's already banked a loss against the Seattle Seahawks. Ouch. Sucks suck, Russ. Now go fuck yourself. Enjoy last place. Back to you, Matt.
0: I bet that felt really good to get that off your chest, didn't it?
1: Oh, you think I haven't been getting it off my chest all week? <laughs> oh, I, I know. Oh, I know you have.
0: I know you have. Oh, Look, man. all I have to say about it, I don't. I. You can have. I mean, everyone's going to have I'm their correct. their theory. You know, all I know is nothing that happened inside the last two minutes of that football game made any sense whatsoever.
1: See guys, Matt's struggling right now because he knows that the conspiracy theory I laid out there totally plausible.
0: I mean totally look, plausible. I, I, I'm not i I'm not so sure that, that I would go that totally far. Totally plausible. I, I listened to uh an extensive amount of Mike Florio, oh, on, good, Florio on on the way to Spokane and back. Uh and and they talked a lot about obviously a lot about those last 2 minutes of monday night and and basically my understanding is uh according to nathaniel hackett the reason that they didn't use those timeouts is cuz they got to the 46 and that was their plan they discussed it uh, allegedly <laughs> which which seems and you believe sort of that. crazy it seems sort of crazy to me that you so would have crazy. a conversation that you would have a conversation before the game ever happens, and you mm-hmm. would say, hey, in the hypothetical scenario that this game comes down to the last drive and we need a game-winning field goal, where what's the target? Oh, it's going to be 46 left hash. Yes. Wait, so let me get this straight. The, so, you're, so what you're telling me is is that none of the decision makers involved in that conversation – know anything about math. Know anything about probabilities. You're trying to mm-hmm. tell me that, that your, your good spot, your target spot for your kicker, is a spot that would tie the second longest field goal in league history. A kick that your kicker has only made one time ever in like, what is it, attempts. He's, he's now
1: one for eight. On Good for plus. him.
0: That was so those were the odds that you wanted to play. And here's Probably the other the, thing that the one he made.
1: The, the one he made, I believe, was in Denver.
0: So there you go. And and the other thing that makes no sense to me, other than well, other than actually a lot of things about <laughs> you know you took the ball <laughs> the out NBA of Russell's ball. hands, paid him all that money, traded all those picks to, to bring him to Denver, to make him your guy, take the ball out of his hands when when it should be in his hands the most. But what I really don't understand you know about the whole clock management situation there, and and opting to go with a, a highly highly improbable kick, to say the least, as opposed to what ESPN stats and information said last year. Fourth and five, there was I, uh, I believe the number was forty eight percent conversion rate last year on fourth and five situations. So that's substantially higher probability. Ben McManus making that kick, but what I thought was so goofy was you're sitting there at the end of the game, and you want to use your timeouts, praying to the to the god to the football gods that Geno Smith fumbles a snap in the victory formation. You think yeah. that's a high percentage play. You think Apparently. that's the optimal use of your timeouts. It just Apparently. nothing about it made any sense at all.
1: No. He apparently Hackett thought that that was just as likely as his kicker hitting a 64-yard field goal in Seattle at night, heading towards the north end zone. That's the other thing too, right? Like, oh, the kicker told us pregame, you know, left hash 46. Oh, the kicker knew the wind conditions at, you know, 830 at night at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Really? He knew the temperature. He knew the way that the breeze was blowing. He knew all of that stuff four hours before time. So you say that doesn't make sense, Matt, and I agree with you. So, let's draw that out to the logical conclusion. If it doesn't make sense, and that seems so far-fetched that that conversation even happened, kind of makes my theory a little more plausible now, doesn't it?
0: I what it makes me what it makes me think is I just we're going to have look, Denver plays Houston this week, and they desperately need to redeem themselves. And especially most of all, frankly, nathaniel hackett and and that's all i have to say about that really is yeah. you know
1: we'll see if russ it, taps out again on fourth and five
0: we we will we will see that but anyways okay enough of that let's go ahead and let's get no in. we're not let's
1: done with that matt no no oh, you
0: got you got more you I'm, gonna, okay.
1: no. I'm gonna let, i'm gonna torture you a little bit so Matt, mm-hmm. who played a better football game was it geno was it russ because scoreboard says geno Every well, stat well, except for a passing yard, says Gino. How many near really, interceptions did Gino throw?
0: This is what I would say. Hmm. This is what I would say. This is my opinion. This is my take. This is gonna be exactly what you expect to hear from me. But this is this is how I see it. How I see it is did the Seattle Seahawks win the football game on Monday night? They sure did. But did they beat the Denver Broncos? No. Literally, yes. No, Denver beat themselves. Literally, self. yes. Denver Why? beat himself. Seattle didn't
1: force two fumbles.
0: Let me ask you a question: Colby. Did Seattle force two fumbles? What at the are goal the line? odds? What are the odds that any football team for the rest of the season is going to fumble on literally on the goal line? And not only are they going to fumble literally on the goal line, but it's going to be a turnover, and the other team is going to recover. What are the odds? I'll bet you that it's we probably, we probably don't see that a single time the you don't rest of the whole year. We'll
1: see a, you don't think we'll see a running back fumble at the goal line all year twice? Ah, twice, twice
0: in okay. the same games. So do fuck I fuck the
1: play? Fuck the play Al Woods made doesn't count because it's lucky.
0: I I didn't say that. I, just said, did. I said I said Denver beat are,
1: themselves as if Denver, Seattle had nothing to do with it.
0: Here I, I'm just saying that those types of of turnovers. That's so fluky. The odds that we okay. see that happen again is so, slim to none. To right. be quite and honest with you.
1: The odds that Quandre Diggs drops the easiest interception of his career again.
0: No look to your credit. To, none. to your credit, not only did Russ throw one to Diggs that should have been picked, I'm pretty sure before that he threw one that Jamal Adams should have had. Yes.
1: So, mention, so was his big touchdown pass came on a ball that he underthrew by about five yards. That being said... His pass interference call that, being, that led to another score. That being score. said,
0: DBs drop also picks on the time. Him. That's why they play DB. They do. So, they do. so just you're quandary. right. But does Quandre? Just... That's no. that. I mean, that'd be no. tough for me to say one way or another. No. It was it was pretty surprising, but he did drop it. Just, it you know, it's so funny so he Matt, did you sit
1: here, you say you're a Seahawks fan, and yet you won't get the Seahawks credit for literally beating the Denver Broncos. They won the game, but I because just don't your feel... ego is too is too big. I don't you really can't admit feel... the Seahawks might be better than Denver. Can't admit it. Well, they're so not. Denver had to give them the game. That's they're the not Denver had to have given them the game. No it other looked, way it could happen, right?
0: Well, let me say it like this: the fact of the matter is. Is if we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna sit here and we're gonna talk about you know statistics and the box score and whatnot, then we can play that game. But at the end of the game, at the end of the day, Denver, uh, Denver had more offensive plays, more total one yards, point, one more more total yards, more one yards point. per play, one more point. passing yards, one more point. rushing yards, one less point. That's fine, but you're sitting here last and last you're. You're, you're went, talking Matt, like Matt, Matt, Seattle went, Matt, Seattle beat them. Seattle beat them. They won the game. You know game. how I know,
1: you know, I know they beat them. I can look at the scoreboard.
0: You have, look, you know what I'm Seattle saying. Seattle was the better team. You know what I'm saying. Admit it. You know what Seattle I'm saying. Seattle was the better team. Maybe the they're not the, long-term. At the end of the day, at the end of the but day. But on
1: Monday night, who was the better team?
0: The team that won was Seattle. Who That's was the, the better answer. team?
1: Answer the question. Denver. Denver was the better team in a game they Denver
0: lost. Denver was the better team in a game that they lost, yes. Oh, Matt. Yes, they Pride sure were. Cometh
1: before the fall.
0: I'm just looking at it's, the stats. It's really,
1: it's really I'm sad. I'm just looking at the stats. It's really sad, Matt. That you said to yourself, oh, I'm just looking at the stats. I'm just looking at the stats. I am. The scoreboard? What does the scoreboard tell you?
0: The, the scoreboard tells me that Seattle won by a point. And what, and what so, I'm saying is, is you have to be able to hear me right. When I say... I am hearing you. Said, you're, saying team, said,
1: you're saying the team that scored one touchdown against the team that you think has a great chance to be have the number one overall pick. You saying they beat the Seahawks in everything that matters. Except, yeah, except for the score. I'm saying I'm the saying that, that
0: literally matters. what decided the game? Forget about I mean the yes. Was the, Seattle forcing turnovers. The final the final 2 minutes of that game were were I mean that was like I said a time and time again. That was just uh you know ineptitude to the to the mm-hmm. umph degree. From uh, on behalf led, of Nathaniel Hackett, but that, but that didn't decide the game led by at the, yes, at yes the it end. did the last two, the minutes game was not, decided
1: the Matt, last, those because last two the Seahawks didn't turn the football over the Broncos did. So who was the better team?
0: Seattle turned the ball over.
1: Seattle turned the ball over once and well, not as a goal they, line twice. Yeah,
0: but yo, you're right. But you just right. said that so
1: Denver, so Denver, so, okay. Seattle turned the ball over who won the turnover battle.
0: Seattle. Who won the but game? But the thing is, at the end of the day, you want to talk Matt about the most—the most consequential. If we really have to boil it down, at the end of the day, the most turnovers matter, sure. But we're not just talking about turnovers. We're not just oh, talking about the turnover yeah, matter,
1: yeah, you we're know,
0: talking just... about we're talking about the most consequential turnovers that you could ever dream up in any football game ever. The yeah. worst thing that could ever happen to you is that. You're knocking on the door for six and right there, one inch away, and you and put it on the ground. defense outplays
1: you. Yep. So, the so defense the forces end, fumbles.
0: So at the end of the day, like I said, you look at every single stat besides those two fumbles on the goal line. And, and Denver won. Denver won time of possession. But Matt, Denver had more first Matt, downs, more total yards. Uh-huh. So that's, so that's what I mean. That's at the I end of the day,
1: at the end of the day, what determines the winner of a football game?
0: That's fine. At the but I'm very end of the day, that, did I did I say Answer Seattle it. didn't win? Answer. Did I say Seattle didn't Answer win? Answer the question, I said Matt. Seattle won the football game. I said that, but did okay. they beat Denver? Yes. You know what's hilarious? By the to me? Literal definition.
1: This is, yes. This
0: is my this is my favorite thing. What I thought was amazing. I, I, I when I was sitting there with Max the other day, and I said, Max, you know it's it's funny because you go on um, you can go on on ESPN pull up any team's page and you go ahead and you click on the schedule and, and they do you a favor and they go ahead and they show you the, the, the leading passer, rusher and receiver for, for that Mm -hmm. respective team in the game. And if I would have asked anybody before this football game happened, if I would have said, look, I'm from the future. I know the outcome of this football game. Gino's going to have 195 yards passing. Kenny's going to have 60 rush yards and your leading receiver is going to be Disley with 43 yards. You're going to say Denver boat raced them out of the building. That's what you're going to say based off of those numbers. And frankly, oh. that's prob- that's what should have happened because at the end of the day, if you don't get those fluke turnovers on the one yard line, the score of that ball game is 30 oh. to 17. But you know what? Look, honestly, honestly, God, for all the Seahawks fans out there, that see this season differently than me. They see this team, and they say, "You know what? I think that you're wrong, Matt, Matty G. I think that Seattle has a chance to go to the playoffs. I think they have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. I think, dare I say it, they might have, uh, you know, a dark horse chance at at a Lombardi Trophy." <laughs> I say, I say, look, I'm happy for you. If if that's if that's how you yes. see if that's how you see the 2022 season playing out for the Seahawks, but that's not how I see it playing out. The way that I see it playing out right is you know, Seattle got a win that when all the data rolls in and we're and we're talking January 8th after they close out the last game of the regular season against against the Rams. We're going to look back at Monday, September 12th and for all the Hawks fans out there, that for whatever reason, and Lord knows that they have their reasons, for all the Seahawks fans out there that circled that one on the calendar and they said, we got, we got to take this one because we hate Russell Wilson, you know, for those, for those fans, we're going to say that was the highlight of our season, but Be a point blank period, at the end of the day, we really had no business winning that football game. We st- we stole one Except from we Denver. Literally we st- we, st- we, st- we stole one from Denver. We earned it. And um and they're going to say I wish I wish we wouldn't have because at the end of the day, <laughs> all it's going to do is bump us down bump us down the draft. But I guess, I but I guess, frankly, I guess, frankly, to your 12th point,
1: pick instead of the tenth, ah.
0: to, to your point, there are going to be there are going to be some fans out there that would say, well, actually, no, I don't wish that we would have lost that game because because some people, you know, they're they're petty enough and they're resentful enough. That game actually meant something, meant meant something more to them. So so look, and I said this on the league chat, and I meant it. Y'all have your 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 victory your landmark victory of the season to hang your hat on. And, and we'll see what the conversation looks like come January eighth. That's, that's it. That's all I have to say about it.
1: So on January 8th, you'll admit that you're wrong. Okay, cool. Um, By the way, you want to talk about a boat race. If Gino doesn't slip on fourth and one, there's another touchdown. If DK doesn't fumble when he does, that could be more points. If there wasn't a key holding penalty that literally knocked them out of field goal range, there's more points. And by the way, if Russ does, if Russ gets a holding penalty, that should have been called against him on third down. They don't score a touchdown. Oh, wow. Look at that. These type of plays happen every single week, Matt. They go both ways, but I know you're embarrassing yourself here. So we can move on because frankly, I thought we would spend this much time on this trade <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to it. So we can agree I, to disagree I, on I, this, but
0: I, well, we, we, we you know, are. I'm right. You know, I, I'm right. I I don't,
1: you know, So anyways, you know I'm
0: right. let's go ahead and try to untangle this mess. I believe, if I remember correctly, I Matt, characterized... we just spent
1: twenty minutes trying to untangle the mess that is your head.
0: Well, we're by saying to untang- a team that
1: lost a game is a better team than the team that beat them, that, well, seems that weird happens. To
0: me. <laughs> that does happen, though. That no, does I'm, happen. I'm mess-
1: yeah, it didn't. Anyways,
0: okay. anyways, um, trying to untangle this mess. If I remember correctly, the way that I characterized Ooh. this trade when it went down um, was uh, a shit shuffling. Yeah, and and if I and also if I remember correctly but basically my sentiment here is just that, you know, there has to be one of these every year because Cam's <laughs> going to make sure of it. Sure. And and I regret to speculate that this is this is the first that we've seen, but it probably won't be the last. Um in any case, you know, immediately once this went down, you you reached out to me and we were trying trying to get just initial general sentiments here spoiler alert for anybody who has any doubts i'm pretty sure and maybe you've changed your mind although i doubt it the initial sentiment here uh was overwhelmingly that if there's gonna be a winner and there could be multiple winners and there could be multiple losers sure fair enough but um the winner here is cam and and so anyways i guess I guess what's the easiest way, the easiest way probably to tackle this is to just go down the list. And this is going to be a disaster to try (laughs) to, to try to get everything straight. Right, right. Um, But nonetheless, we'll do, we'll do the best we can. So Cam, what did he gain? What did he lose? Cam gains Darren Waller, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Gus Edwards, DK Metcalf, and J.K. Dobbins. What does mm-hmm. he send? Hunter Henry, AJ Brown, David Montgomery, Laviska Chenault, James Robinson, and uh, and Harris um, out there in Pittsburgh. So, okay. So, how do we how do we sort of untangle this? I guess the way that we have to look at it, the easiest way to look at it is probably to, to at least in my view is to disregard the players that we view as inconsequential. So in this particular case...
1: Shepard and Chenault.
0: Uh, yeah, in this particular case for Cam, I'm looking at, uh, to me, let's just to simplify it, I'm going to omit Shepard and Gus Edwards. Not to say that Gus Edwards is not valuable or can't be valuable. Paired with J.K.
1: Dobbins.
0: Like, yeah, but yeah, but I would I would say sure. the main pieces he gained here are Darren Waller, Saquon Barkley, DK Metcalf, and Dobbins, and then mm-hmm. if I'm gonna say what he got rid of, that doesn't matter. I think Hunter Henry yeah. and Chenault matter a lot less than the rest of these pieces do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Agreed. okay, so fair enough. So what am I looking at? I'm looking at he goes from from uh, Harris to Saquon, so. Oh maybe you call it a wash. Some people after week one, there's going to be a lot of people out there who say, actually, no, I'd rather have Saquon. Um, and and that's easy to say because that's easy to say because, because there was speculation that Harris might not even play in week two because he got a little bit nicked up in week one.
1: Yeah. But there was enough of us who were saying Saquon over, over, uh, Najee, at least same range.
0: Right. But one way or another, let's call it a wash. Yeah, one way or another, we call Saquon and Najee, call it a wash. That's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the rest of this, uh, I'm trying to figure out in terms of like who I would compare to who. I mean, at that point, you're looking at essentially position wise Waller, Metcalf, and Dobbins yeah. for AJ Brown, David Montgomery, and James Robinson. Is that really a question? I mean, maybe. Not maybe to me. some. Not to me. To me, it's not. I feel like it's pretty safe. One way or another, I think it's pretty safe to to say that Cam Cam made off well here. Yeah,
1: I think he he greatly upgraded at tight end. Uh, I think he made an upgrade at, at running back. I'm not a huge Montgomery guy. Robinson, we'll see. He had a nice week one. You don't want to write off James Robinson. Uh, pretty important piece. Um, Najee and Barkley, like I said, to me, they're very close. I rest of the year, I'd probably prefer Barkley just because Najee's dealing with the foot thing right now. Um, but also I thought Saquon was underrated coming into the year. So a little bit of bias there. And then it's, it's, you know, the Baltimore running back, basically the Baltimore running game for what Montgomery. Yeah. I'd rather have the Baltimore running game than Chicago's.
0: I mean, like I said, it's tough to, when you have this many players in a trade, it's tough to say this for this, this for this, this for this, but yeah, I mean, it's tough to break down, obviously, entirely. I just feel like when I'm looking at what he gained and when I'm looking at what he gave up, I feel like he made off well here. That's all that I'm saying.
1: I think, yeah, my overall sentiment uh, pretty much you know, is remains the same from the night the trade was made. Uh, it looks like a trade can put together and can't put it together so that he could, on paper, win the trade. That's I think, why I think I think Cam improved the most out of anybody in this deal.
0: That's why we call it a shit shuffling, yeah. right? You take all the shit and you put it in the middle, and then you try to razzle dazzle like a magician. Yep. You are moving all the pieces, and there is so many pieces that people lose track of yep. of what's <clears throat> going where it's, and how do I evaluate this? And then right. maybe they maybe they get you know they they hyper focus on the pieces of the deal exactly. that they're gaining that they like. And mm-hmm. they're and, and more yeah, willing
1: it's to part with the pieces that maybe they're not too thrilled with. Uh, right. I don't, I don't know if you know this map, but uh, I, my, it's kind of a family eBay store. Uh, it's mostly my mother's, but I do help quite a bit. And so I've, I've, you know, I buy things secondhand and then resell them. Right. Mm-hmm. It's part of what having an eBay store is. And, and this practice is very, very common, particularly in the yard sale community. Um, it's called bundling. Right. So you say, Hey, how much is this? And they say $10. You say, how much is this? They say $3. And they say, how much is this? $7. And you go, Hmm, well, how about I just give you 15 for all of them? Right. And it's like, well, we wanted 20, but since you're taking more items off my hand, right. There's perceived value there because when people are at yard sales, they're trying to get rid of stuff. So yeah, it's bundling, right? It's like, Hey, look at all this that you're getting. And you focus on the top item, right? Like, oh, well, you want it. I'll give you 10. You want a 10 for that. I'll give you 10 for that. But these other ones, you have to give me a better deal on because I'm giving you what you want for that top, top piece. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, It's bundling.
1: And that's what Cam does. And that's why every year he has these convoluted trades. He bundles on the bottom half. And, and, you know, and, and to be fair to Cam. Like he did, give up pieces: James Robinson, Najee Harris, AJ Brown, David Montgomery. These are these are valuable pieces. I, I think they're all overrated, but I, they're valuable still. So I, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say that Cam like stole these players from the rest of these guys. I just think Cam made out the best out of out of the four.
0: I agree. He's king of the bundle. I 100 percent agree. And and so I guess going from the the main winner to probably who I would imagine most people would agree is the, the primary loser in this deal who made out the worst in this deal, which would be Mitchell, which is unfortunate because of now it gets better for him when we get, we'll, we'll get to that. But in this particular deal, um, you know, I feel like, I feel like he was the one player who was, who was, the least able to take a hit, the least able to get worse, the least able to downgrade. Right. And, and yeah. I feel like I look at what he gives up here and, and the, to me, what I see, I'll, I'll name off all the names and then I'll I'll go over it again. So he gains Marvin Jones, Jarvis Landry, Melvin Gordon, Zeke, Hunter Henry, and he move he ships away Sterling Shepard, Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins, Gabe Davis, Kyle Pitts. To me, the players of value that he gives up here, Dobbins, Gabe Davis, Kyle Pitts, right? Mm -hmm. And the players that he receives of value, to me, are mostly Zeke, although we'll see where that goes with the Dak injury, uh, and Melvin Gordon, Mm -hmm. and and so you say well what about Landry well okay I know Landry had a nice week one for New Orleans I remain skeptical I'm not saying I'm right I'm just skeptical that's it I'm just skeptical but one way or another I feel like you gave up three pieces of value and and to me you you received really two now here's the problem with the two that you received though they're old running backs and I would have told you that with Zeke even before Dak got hurt. You know, if 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 anybody knows about Zeke's problems, it's you. I mean, if we fast forward to the end of the year and I say, and I say, Colby turns out Pollard had a better season than Zeke. Are you surprised? No. So there you go. Look, I'm not saying that's my prediction. I'm just saying, is anyone surprised if that happens? I mean, shouldn't be probably not, probably not. Um, If Zeke breaks down, if Zeke gets hurt, whatever, what have you, you know, I know it's all speculation here, but I'm just saying that's sort of what's going through my head. Meanwhile, you know, Kyle Pitts is, for all intents and purposes, probably a top five receiver. I know last year he had Matt Ryan, um, excuse me, top five tight end, but he's, he's the top receiving option in Atlanta. And, um, you know, I know last year he had Matt Ryan. And so we'll see if if Mariota or or dare I say it, Desmond Ritter, you know, (laughs) provide him with the same sort of support to get him there. But Kyle Pitts is a freak athlete and there's just no way around it. Um, And then J.K. Dobbins, it looks like he's finally going to be ready to go for week two. Now, maybe Mitchell would say, okay, but. When I made this deal, I didn't know that that was going to be the case.
1: I mean, fair enough.
0: I mean, fair enough. Maybe that kind of feels like an excuse it to me.
1: It is because you have to have some force, some foresight and fantasy. You have to yeah. read the reports. Yeah. And Dobbins, I mean, even if he wasn't going to come back in week two, it was going to be week
0: three. Like and say whatever bonus. you want. Say whatever you want about Gabe Davis. But there was a lot of hype there for him coming into the year. You know, a is young that, receiver. In the number two chair, yeah, exactly. prolific Buffalo offense. So to me, let's just say hypothetically that Landry is something. You'd still rather have Davis, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. So I'm not saying he got nothing. I'm just saying that I feel like of all the people in this deal, he made out the worst – If the worst – and if there was a loser in this deal, it would have had to have been him, in my view.
1: I I feel like Mitchell paid for names more than he did assets. I feel like he paid for Ray-Bans when, the, when what he actually got was like Walmart brand. You know what I mean? It, it just... Like, Zeke Elliott, huge name, not the same player. Jarvis Landry, huge name over the last few years, not the same player. Melvin Gordon, same thing. Hunter Henry, same thing. Even Marvin Jones, same thing. So, like, what,
0: so what I'm hearing you say is, is he thought he was getting the Oakleys, but really he got the knockoff Oakleys, the fake Oakleys.
1: Yeah, the Folleys. Yeah, yeah, so... Eh usually in, in these big multi-team trades, there's one team that has to wear it so that the other teams can, can profit. Unfortunately, I think, you know, Mitchell is the team that has to wear it here. Now it could be wrong. I mean, Laura knows we've been wrong before. Just look at the chat and Matt's opinions on the Seahawks, but I, <laughs> I don't see this working out too well for Mitchell. Um, he basically, I mean, he gave Kyle Pitts away for, for nothing. And you just kind of go down the lines. It's like, would you rather have the Baltimore running game or, or I guess in this case, it's Zeke. If you want to say it's close, fine, but I don't think it is. Well, I don't want to say, I don't think it is. I just, I think there's a lot more risk in Zeke than there is in Dobbins, which is weird to say, but it's the truth. Um, Davis for, I guess, Landry. I mean, no brainer. And then it's pits for for Melvin Gordon, basically, and and Hunter Henry.
0: Well, I think I think Mitchell would say actually that it was pits for Zeke.
1: Yeah, that doesn't really work for me, because then what was Dobbins for Gordon?
0: Um, Really? Yeah, I guess. Mitch, I I hope
1: you're not saying that, because if you are, it sounds even worse. So I
0: don't know what Dobbins would be for at that point. Yeah, and that's maybe that's and it maybe has that's, to be
1: for Zeke. Otherwise that's
0: why I view it as an well, I, if you say Pitts for Zeke, then it's like okay. But even if it is Pitts for Zeke, then at that point we're saying Dobbins for either Gordon or Dobbins for Landry.
1: Which is a joke.
0: And that's and I guess if we're gonna really break it down, that's why I view it as an L.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Mitchell did too well in this trade. Um, Kind of, sort of addressed it in a trade he made last night or two nights ago, but uh, we'll get to that one a little later. Yeah, like I said, I think in these big trades, for everybody else to profit, there has to be somebody who kind of takes it in the shorts. Um, In economics term, uh, I don't know why I know this, but uh, we refer to this person in the deal, the one who you know, essentially buys high and sells low economists. And I, I promise I'm not saying this just to mess with Mitchell, but economists call this person the greater fool. Um, and unfortunately I think Mitchell may have played the role of the greater fool uh, to get this 14 trade done.
0: So I hope that that doesn't do anything detrimental for, for your relationship with, your boy Cam because I know he kind (laughs) of roped you into this so yeah, you might want to have a you might want to keep your friends close and your enemies close yeah
1: maybe the other way around um Mitchell enjoy the new team name I just gave you uh the greater fool uh is sometimes an endearing term because sometimes greater fools uh change the world that trade will not
0: but greater fool might be endearing but it's not as endearing as Fisher Price (laughs) (laughs) and we're we're gonna move on now to brian big b and brian's brian's part of the trade here i feel like these last two here between brian and jake these are a little bit less eventful yeah because it's because it kind of feels in a lot of cases it doesn't feel so much like necessarily like a massive win or a big l it's somewhere in the middle but in any case uh he adds tyler lockett aj brown david montgomery kyle pitts and khalil herbert in exchange for Marvin Jones, Jarvis Landry, Darren Waller, Zeke Elliott, and Elijah Moore. So, um, I mean, everybody knows that I'm not the biggest A.J. Brown fan this year, uh, which look, which didn't look great, obviously, week one. I mean, he's going to be a target magnet for sure in Philly, um, but for Brian in this deal, really, he comes out of here with Brown, Montgomery, and Pitts. I'm not trying to gloss over Lockett and Herbert, but I feel like those are the main pieces for fantasy value this year that he, that he added. And in terms of what he gives up, uh, I suppose you're looking at, I guess it depends on how you feel about Elijah Moore, but it's going to be Waller, Zeke, and maybe Landry or Moore. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe maybe both of them in your perspective. But but um, I guess I guess we could focus for our purposes here in this trade on Landry Um, and one way or another, the way that, the way that this shakes out for him is you move from Waller to Pitts, which for Brian's purposes, you're hoping is, is a minor downgrade. Um, but in, you know, accordingly, he goes from Zeke to AJ Brown. Um, which is probably a safer commodity, I guess. Um, Just because, I mean, from an injury standpoint, I know that seems crazy to say because A.J. Brown missed a lot of time last week, but A.J. Brown's not an aging running back. So, um, and and look, I get it. It's easy to pour it on Zeke now that Dak's gone. I promise you, we would have said the same thing if Dak were still there,
1: we did. <laughs> yeah, so when we texted last week,
0: right? Um, so. and and the other part of this, I guess, at that point, we've talked about. So, you, so he takes a minor downgrade, uh, from from Pitts to Waller. He upgrades to a safer commodity from from Zeke to AJ Brown, and then I guess if you want to look at Landry, Landry, you turn into David Montgomery. That I mean that's fine especially cuz you gave up uh running back so you needed to get one in return is David Montgomery the sexiest option? No, he's not. I'm not going no one's going to say that he is. But he's he's the guy in Chicago and even if he's not you got Herbert if something happens to Montgomery you plug in Herbert. Chicago's going to run the ball. I don't know. It's fine. It's a fine deal. Even if you want to look at the the other pieces here like like it, right? like you go from either depending on how you want to view it you go from either Marvin Jones or Elijah Moore to Tyler Lockett like that's a fine move um I think I would of of that group you you probably give to me I would probably favor more Elijah Moore um, but I could I could be wrong I could definitely be wrong um, but at the end of the day let's talk about the pieces that matter. I don't know it's fine. I don't feel strongly one way or another. I feel like, I feel like um, my favorite player in the deal is one that he gave up, which is Waller. Yeah. Um, but he did get Pitts. That's not a massive. That's not. That's not a massive downgrade. At least. At least ostensibly, and no. and he got and he did get AJ Brown, and mm-hmm. and so that's really just the simplest way to view it is I... is in my view.
1: Yeah. I feel like Brian got better at receiver. He made a lateral move. I would say at running back, pretty close to it at least. Um, and he downgraded a tight end. So he traded, you know, some tight end help for wide receiver help, essentially when you really break it down. So to me, do I think Brian's team is significantly better than it was before he made the trade? No. Is it a little bit better? Yeah, I think a little bit. And and you know, hey, if he he likes those, I'm not a Jarvis Landry guy. Just so you know, um, I know he had a good game, but he caught seven passes for 40 yards. It's not exactly what you want to see. He did catch a touchdown, but eh. And also, Michael Thomas wasn't even playing his full complement of snaps yet, so that those are going to come from somewhere, and they're not going to come from Olave, at least not yet. So we'll see. But I, I think, like I said, for the most part, Brian's side is is kind of lateral, but I do think he made a fairly noteworthy, uh, upgrade to his wide receivers, uh, while downgrading at tight end. But yeah, I think he did fine.
0: I it's hard. That's tough to argue with. I think that was well put. Um, I was kind of all over the place, so that was <laughs> nice, nice and tight and concise. I like that. And the last one here of course is Jake. Whew. So, Jake here, he added LaVisca Chenault, Gabe Davis, James Robinson, Najee Harris, and Elijah Moore in exchange for Melvin Gordon, Tyler Lockett, Saquon Barkley, DK Metcalf, and Khalil Herbert. Um, Look, in the post draft, or yeah, the post draft pod pre week one, one of the things I pointed out about Jake's team was when I was looking at the receiver spot, I was like, you know, I don't know that I'd want to double down on these Seattle receivers. Now, that also doesn't necessarily mean that you need to get rid of both of them, but he apparently was ready to see both of them leave before their their stock had an opportunity to move one way or another. And and so in any case, um, the biggest piece he gets here obviously is Najee Harris – but he paid for it with Saquon. So again, yep. I mean, we have to be fair to Jake. Everyone's going to have their opinion. They favor one over the other. Clearly, Jake favors Harris. I have to assume he favors Harris over over Barkley because um, he made this deal. But but for the for all for our purposes, evaluating the deal, call that part of it a wash. So let's look at the rest of the of the deal here. Uh, we're gonna look at we're gonna look at Shanault. And LaVisca Chenault that he added, and Khalil Herbert, and we're going to ignore those pieces to simplify this, okay? So the last three pieces are Gabe Davis, James Robinson, and Elijah Moore, which he added, and he traded Melvin Gordon, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. So I guess the way that I have to view this is the best of those pieces that he added is probably Gabe Davis. And the best that he lost is probably DK Metcalf. So how do we feel about that? Maybe, maybe, maybe we call it a wash. Maybe I could see it. Maybe you call that a wash. Yeah. I mean, I could see I think, it too. I think that's reasonable. David,
1: Davis is a Metcalf and more could be Lockett. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, th-
0: so then the last piece is here. Yeah, the last pieces here are Robinson and Moore, and and Gordon and Lockett. James Robinson is sort of the surprise here because coming into the the season, nobody really knew what to make of him with ETN being there in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, James Rob- James <clears throat> Robinson lives, and at least it appears. And so yeah. and so good on Jake, I suppose, for for taking that gamble. That being said, Robinson and Gordon feels like a wash to me, more or less. And and then you've got Elijah Moore and Lockett, which which could also more or less be a wash. So the trouble I have here is I just don't know that he did get rid of the Seattle receivers, but did he get better? I don't know. I feel like it's if anything, it feels a lot like just sort of a lateral move.
1: Yeah. Um again, it's lateral to us because we don't value the players the same way that the guy who made the trade does. And and so uh one thing I know is that Jake loves James Robinson. I think he's had him for the last 3 years. Um and, you know, the interesting thing about Robinson and Etienne at least in week 1 is that the backfield was split almost 50 50. I think Robinson got 51% of the snaps and ETN got 49, like literally almost perfect, but Robinson still got plenty of work. So when Robinson's on the field, Jacksonville, at least in week one, ran the ball pretty effectively. So to me, that is a significant up because like Robinson and Gordon, I think are, they were drafted around the same spot, which is fine. Gordon to me is playing behind a better running back. Right. I mean, I know it's going to be a timeshare early, but uh, long-term, I don't know. To me, Javante is just better than Melvin Gordon. Is Etienne better than Robinson at certain things? (laughs) Not really at running between the tackles, I don't think. So we'll see there. And like I said, Davis could be Metcalf. I think that's fine. More and Lockett. I'd probably rather have Lockett just because of the track record, but whatever. I mean, it's not like either of those guys has elite quarterback play. Um, so we'll see there. And then Barkley, I'd rather have Barkley than Najee, but I'd rather have Robinson than Gordon. I'd probably rather have, you know, DK than Gabe, but it's close more it. Lockett, probably it, Lockett, but it's close. And then I don't care about Chenault and Herbert. So, um, I think, I think for Jake, what this is going to come down to is how big of an upgrade is Robinson over Gordon. And I think it might be fairly significant. We'll see. It's, it's hard not to react after week one. Uh, you know, Gordon did fumble at the goal line, but then again, so did Williams. So is, is Gordon going to lose work because of that? Probably not yet. So I think really what this comes down to is, is that my guess is Jake really likes Gabe Davis and kind of views him as the key to this trade. Um, But I do think that Robinson is also a player that Jake's always traditionally liked. and And I do think that is a fairly significant upgrade over over Melvin Gordon in the long run. But we'll see. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's largely lateral move. And if Jake did get better, I think it was minute improvement. And I would say the same thing about Brian and, you know, whereas Mitchell and, and cam, they went quite a bit in the other direction.
0: Right. Well, there you have it, folks. That was the best that we could do on trying to untangle Oof. this web of, of shit. Took um, 30 minutes ish. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: not going to lie. That was that's pretty decent. Okay.
0: Ooh. So so before we get into waivers, there was another trade that yes. happened just right before, before waivers, waivers mm-hmm. processed. So so of course the big the big shit shuffling happened before kickoff, literally like right before kickoff on Thursday uh last week and then we play through week 1 and then just before post-week one waivers process, a trade is accepted. And in this trade, Steven is is acquiring Mitchell Trubisky and Dallas Goddard in exchange for Mark Andrews. Um, I guess what we'll do here is I'll let you go ahead and... Well, actually, look. I want you to have, I want you, it's only right that you have full context here. So i actually, am excited to analyze this and this is why we do the podcast. If you listen to the podcast, you get a little bit, a little bit more of that additional scoop. So you kind of, you kind of get to understand things on a deeper level. So I didn't actually ask Stephen for, for his view on the deal. But he did provide his his perspective on it. So what he told me was the way that he sees this this deal here is that he took a small hit at tight end, and he felt like he felt like it was worth it in order to to solve his his issue with with Dak being out and getting Mitch Trubisky. He sees it as a small hit at tight end. Now I told him, I said, and I quote, I know this isn't actionable for you at this point, but you might want to take another look at Mark Andrews because that was no small hit you took at tight end. And so there you go. You know, the bottom line is, is, you know, he viewed it as a minor downgrade. What's interesting to me is I don't really see how you could view it that way. From from a few perspectives, number one, you took you took Mark Andrews with the first pick in the fourth round, first of all, whereas Dallas Goddard, and at least at least as far as our draft is concerned, I'm not the, I know that's not the end all be all. Goddard didn't get picked until the tenth round, so so if we want to, and I know it's not necessarily fair, it's not necessarily right to base everything off of last year. But if we're going to, I mean, there's a reason you took him, at least I, I hope, I, I can't speak <laughs> for you, Stephen, but there's a reason you took Mark Andrews in the fourth round. And that's because last year, the man had 154 targets. You can't even wrap your head around that number. Matter of fact, his line from last year is so crazy. This guy outproduced Travis Kelsey last year. He was the number one tight end in the game. He had 154 targets, 107 receptions, over 1,300 yards, and nine scores. That was good for 247 fantasy points. Meanwhile, Dallas Goddard had the best year of his career last year at 137 fantasy points, just over half of what Andrews put up last season. And so, okay, so I hear the counter argument here. Yes, but Matty G., you know for for over what for half the season or so the, you know Zach Ertz was taken was taking targets from Dallas Goddard, maybe, but AJ Brown isn't going anywhere and he's in town now. Dallas Goddard is never going to be the number one option in the Philly passing game. It will not happen because of AJ Brown's presence. As long as A.J. Brown is healthy and on the field, Goddard can never be anything more than number two in an offense that, by the way, is led by Jalen Hurts. So by virtue of that fact, it's not going to be a high-volume passing attack in the first place. Mark Andrews, on the other hand, is competing with Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, and James Prochet. In all likelihood, he's probably going to be the top receiving option in Baltimore once again. Now, does that mean that we should expect him to go for thirteen hundred yards? Well, maybe not, because in twenty twenty, he he only had seven hundred, and in twenty nineteen he had eight hundred fifty two. Okay, so so it, so fair enough. It was a little bit of an outlier last year in terms of his production, but you can't even argue that point because you drafted him in the fourth round. So you have so for, so at that point you're giving him a voice of confidence you, you're you're whether you realize it or not you're sort of unconsciously saying or at least not explicitly stating i believe in mark andrews i believe that what he did in 2021 is more real than not is more repeatable than not and th- and so then you go out and you make this deal where you say, "Look, I think that the step down that I take between between Andrews and Goddard, that Trubisky makes that worth it," and and I just, and I just have to scratch my head because, well, for a few reasons, but the main one being, you understand that first of all, Mitchell Trubisky has has the best season of his career was 2018. He finished as the 15th QB, okay? Which isn't bad. If he does that again, then okay, fair enough. But the problem is, his rookie year, he played 12 games. He finished 30th in Standard Leagues. The The year after 2018, when he finished 15th, he played 15 games. He finished 26th. At that point, Chicago didn't really believe in him so much anymore. Played 10 games in 2020, f- finished 28th, you know, and and then next thing you know, he's in Buffalo, right? Moves on to Buffalo. Kenny Pickett is still on that roster, by the way. So mm-hmm. you've got Kenny Pickett breathing down Trubisky's neck, and and Trubisky is just kind of a middling option. And and I'll just go back to what I always say, which is, just because just because you should do something doesn't mean you should do anything. And, and I just don't think that this was, was, I don't think that Trubisky makes up the disparity in value between Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard. Sure. So, so my question to Stephen would be, look, Stephen, you say that you view that as a small hit. Did do you just not did you not look at what Andrews did last year did, you know or... do you because I I have to believe that you took him in the fourth round for a reason so my so i just feel like did St- did Steven need a quarterback yes but did he but did he get better by making this deal i don't know I'm not so sure that he did, but but it gets better. It gets better, Colby, because, because not only do I think that this deal wasn't necessarily in Steven's best interest, I know that he had a better offer on the table because it was from me. <laughs> Spill the tea, Matt. Spill the tea. I offered Baker for Cordero heads up. Who? Okay. Yeah. Um... And, and so, and so, so my thought is, is if you look at Steven's roster, right, yep. he drafted Cordero as a flex option. So if you move Cordero Patterson to get Baker Mayfield, then you have other options. You could plug Robbie Anderson into the flex, you know, yep. and, and you're fine. And it doesn't really actually hurt you that much. So, so I guess what I don't really understand here is Stephen felt, let's say that you want to make the argument, as Stephen did in his text message to me, that you view Trubisky and Baker as a wash. That's fair, I guess. I'd rather take Baker because he doesn't have... He He's doesn't probably going to have the job all year. Yeah, he doesn't have picket breathing down his neck, but fair enough, you want to call that a wash. But what I don't understand is, you would rather downgrade from Andrews to Goddard than trade away a flex option and just a flex option to get your replacement. You could have you could have kept Andrews and you would have moved on from a flex option and you could have plugged in another flex option. And I feel like it wouldn't have hurt your bottom line as much. And That's my opinion. You could right go, now you say by well, the Maddie way, G, you're biased, Maddie G, because That was a trade that you offered. I don't think I'm being biased. Let me
1: step in here though, because I think there's one thing uh, that maybe we're overlooking here even is that Dak will come back. Hey, that rhymed. (laughs) Dak is back, right? It sounds like he's going to come back. They're hoping for four weeks. It sounds like six to eight weeks is more realistic. At that point, what does Steven have that somebody else will surely need at that point?
0: Third quarterback.
1: A third quarterback, which he can then trade for something probably pretty nice at that stage of the year. So, yeah, just from even your perspective, Matt, it's like like I don't have bias towards this. I would rather do your deal. Uh, I don't love giving up Cordero. I get why Steven might have been hesitant to do that. But big picture, right? I get Baker, who I know is going to start for at least until Dak is back. I don't know that about Trubisky. So I'm going to take Baker right? And then in week, let's say it's week eight, right? That, that Dak comes back. Maybe Baker's playing well and I can trade Dak or maybe, you know, maybe I just want to roll with Dak and I could, I could trade Baker, you know what I mean? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I could trade Davis Mills and keep Baker as my number two, like their options are available and they take a little while to get there sure. But sometimes fantasy is about, you know, it, Billy Bean used to say, you know, you can always recover from the deals you don't make. You can never recover from the deals you made at the wrong price. Uh, Steven, you know, knowing what, what else is on the table, I, I think he erred here. And let, let me just tell you why. I, I actually, uh, I was going to go in a different direction. Maybe you were going to get there eventually. But um, my question is to Steven, without, you know, this was before I knew that your deal was on the table.
0: Mm-hmm
1: are you convinced that Mitchell Trubisky is better than Cooper rush? Cause he didn't put a claim in on rush. Rush only went for $15. I bid 15 and I think, uh, I think Willie bid 15 and, and Will was higher. So he got him for $15. You think Trubisky's better than rush. I don't know. I don't know if he is or not. I don't. But if you're asking me, would I rather have rush and Andrews, or Trubisky and Goddard, I'd rather have Russian Andrews. So, I look at this and I say, "Look, Steve, it's it's hard to talk about how much you wanted to upgrade your quarterback spot when you didn't even put a bid in on on Dak's replacement, a guy that they committed to right away. They we're not trading for a quarterback. We like Cooper Rush. We're gonna Cooper Rush is the guy, right? Right away. And you knew Dak was out for, and you knew how long he was out by Monday, like Monday afternoon." There was no like, oh, maybe it's only four. No, we, we knew. Jerry Jones told us Sunday night. So my question is, Steven, is why wouldn't you just take the better quarterback and keep your tight end advantage? Or failing that, why don't you at least wait and see, put in a fairly aggressive bid on Rush, and wait and see if you got him before you made it e- either of these moves, right? Because, again, like we're talking, if the difference is Trubisky or Rush, If you want to say Trubisky is better, fine. I'm not going to argue with that. I don't care. Is it significant? I don't think you can argue that. I don't think you can definitively say, yes, Trubisky is definitely better than Cooper Rush for fantasy.
0: I mean, I would rather have Trubisky than Rush, but not if it's going to cost me Andrews.
1: Would you trade Trubisky and Goddard for Andrews and and Rush? No.
0: Like I said, I, I would rather have Trubisky than Rush, but not if it's going to cost me Andrews. And right. that's why I think that it would have been in his best interest to take my offer.
1: I would say this, knowing what I know, um, I think the best Steven could have done in this situation was to just put in a fairly aggressive bid on Cooper Rush. I think that's the, the his number one play would have been that. And by the way, if you get Rush, those options are still available to you, right? You could still trade for Trubisky. You could still trade for for Mayfield. You just had to wait. You just had to wait another three or four hours. That's it. So to me, the number one thing, I would have put in an aggressive bid on Rush. And it wouldn't even have been that aggressive. And like at the very least, right? If you it, Maybe Steven had a bid on him and then he canceled it when he acquired Trubisky. I don't know. But he only went for $15. It's a guy who's going to start a quarterback in a super flex for six weeks at least. I If I were Steven, I would have thrown in a fairly aggressive bid. Um, not everything, but you know, 25, 25 bucks, roughly probably what I would have done if I were Steven. So the you second have... best option, huh?
0: Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: The second best option, in my opinion, would have been to take your trade. And then the third best option by a decent margin to me was what he actually did. So, <laughs> I mean, Steven could be right. I mean, Trubisky can run around, he can make some moves. Um, So I, I, to me, I think, you know, I, eh, I just, I think Goddard's fine. I think Andrews was overdrafted and I think Steven has to admit that if he doesn't think the difference between a fourth round tight end and a 10th round tight end was that big, why did you take the fourth round tight end in the first place? That's
0: exactly, that's exactly my point. You're 100% right.
1: Yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel like Steven didn't manage that as, as effectively as he could have. Steven's ended up being right a lot more than I have. Has he been right for the right reasons? I I doubt it, most of the time. But the dude's got three championships, so things seem, tend to work out for him. Maybe no, this will. We say. have
0: no evidence of that. Yeah, we have no record of that.
1: Yes. Yeah, so. I just
0: want to be. I just want to be clear. I just want to be clear. We have no. <laughs> I'm trying to uphold the reputation of the Hawks Nest to the best of my ability. Here, we do have <laughs> no record that Steven has won three championships.
1: He's won one, right? Of the records we do have,
0: that's that's all I see. So okay, well there you go. One more than me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Not one more than me, though. Um. So yeah, I just to me Stephen, yeah, I think you know now knowing all that information, and what I was already prepared to say about this trade, I think Stephen made the worst move that was presented to him. That's what I would say.
0: I think that's. Fair. I think the reason if I could if I could if I if I may speculate, I think the reason that Steven didn't take my deal is because he low key has a vendetta against me because <laughs> I said some really hurtful things about Peter, about Gino and the Seahawks. And and I get it. Maybe I deserve this. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted—I just, wanted, goodness, to, I just wanted to float that out there, okay? That's my—that's my story. That's—that's, that's, and I'm sticking to it. That's how I have to see this because I like to give Steven a little bit more credit than you just did. Good for you. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think that that just about does it for the um, for the trade portion of this. Anyhow, there's not a lot to say on the um, on the waiver end, but we will we no. will just quickly brush over what we've seen in waivers on waiver wire Wednesday, as well as Thursday morning. Uh, if I scroll through here real quick and just see, um, the moves that were made. Um, so just quickly, and I guess we'll, I'll start with, I'll start with waiver wire Wednesday and then tell me if anything catches your, your eye here. Uh, you know, we've got cam picking up Matt Brita for zero, uh, Mitchell picks up Hilliard uh, for $16. That's the backup running back. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Trail Hilliard, backup running back in uh, Tennessee. Uh, Jake picks up OJ Howard, who's, who's playing tight end out there in Houston, had a nice week one, scoring twice, two receptions, two touchdowns, 38 yards. Um, and then we have uh, Kenyon Drake going to Garza for zero uh scott picks up Corey davis for 11 bucks and uh willie tinder picks up cooper rush as you already mentioned for 15 bucks so of these waiver acquisitions here um not a lot to really say too much about mostly the main thing here insofar as i can see is is just cooper rush going for 15 bucks and and that reminds me actually what i wanted to say about that real quick um so you don't think that there's any realistic chance that in the next say month or so that the Dallas Cowboys make a trade for say Jimmy Garoppolo. No. None? No chance?
1: I mean, nothing's ever no chance. Just curious. Uh,
0: like what if like would, here's the thing, because here's the thing. If you're Jerry Jones and Dak goes down week 1 and you, and obviously I think you and I are sort of along the same page here. Jerry can tell us that he's not putting Dak on the IR because he thinks he can be back in as, as soon as four weeks. But, but we're not going to take him at his word. Obviously, he's going to be optimistic. But yeah. at the end of the day, if the more realistic timeline here is six to eight weeks and you're the Dallas Cowboys, you're Jerry Jones, at that point isn't your season kind of over before it even begins? And and do we really think that Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys are willing to accept that?
1: I wonder a, can they afford it? I don't know what their cap situation is even with, but uh, you know, with Jimmy reshuffling his contract. Um, but Dallas always runs super tight to the, to the threshold. So I don't know if they can afford it. Um, the other thing I would say is that we need to remember is that Jimmy has a no trade clause. And if he waves it to go to Dallas, fine, he'll start four or five games, uh, but then he'll be back on the bench, right? It's not a, it's not a season ending injury. Does Jimmy want to go be a backup in Dallas as opposed to staying in San Francisco where he's comfortable and where honestly he might win that starter's job anyways. Eh, I don't know. I don't know if he'd waive his no trade clause for that. So we'll see. Um,
0: And what what we know is that there is no chance that the Philadelphia Eagles trade Minshew in the division.
1: No, no, none. So I just don't see it. I I don't see it uh, happening. Um, So I I do think it's going to be rush uh, for a while. I think it'd be pretty funny if it was Cam Newton, but Jerry doesn't strike me as a Cam (laughs) Newton type of guy. So,
0: well, if you really uh, want your season to be over, then you go ahead and you sign up cheeks, McGee (laughs)
1: cheeks, McGee, baby. Uh, but no, I do think rush is going to be the guy for the next, you know, four or five weeks at least. So, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised he went for 15, uh, not surprised. I, I should say I was a little surprised that so I had him at 20 until about an hour before waivers. And I was like, "Yeah, he's more of a luxury for me. So I, I dropped it to 15. So, uh, it turned out 15 was the, almost the right number. Like it was the high bid. I just, unfortunately, you know, somebody else made the same bid. So, <laughs> and Will didn't have as good a week as me, I guess. So, it, it happens, but uh, no, I'm a little, I am surprised Steven didn't even put in a bid unless he did and then canceled it after he made the Trubisky trade, but as far as the the record that we have, he did not make a bid on the backup quarterback for his injured starting quarterback, which feels weird to me.
0: Fair enough. I mean, like I said, I could see, I could actually see Dallas making a play on somebody else, but even if they don't, the only thing in Superflex that's worse than not having a second quarterback is having a bad second quarterback. So I kind of see it, I guess, you know? I kind of see it. Maybe, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Cooper Rush is good. I don't think he is. But I don't know that he's not. Um, I
1: I really don't think he can be that much worse than than Trubisky. That's all I'm saying. That's not that's not much of a endorsement now, is it?
0: <laughs> Time will tell. Time will tell. We'll see about Cooper Rush. But that was easily the in a Superflex League, a 14 team Superflex League. That was easily the the waiver wire pickup of of consequence of, sure. of, of the week. Uh, as as for you know, maybe we talk about the one pickup that kinda of stands out to me from from this morning. Uh, you know, Kyle Phillips out there in Tennessee. Uh, you know, uh slot receiver. Jake picks him up. Uh zero zero dollar bid. He had nine targets, six receptions, sixty six yards week one. So maybe I mean obviously he's not blowing up the scoreboard in our format. I guess he fumbled. So yeah, would have been would have been there. a would have been a much a better week had he not fumbled. Um, but all things considered, you know, not, uh, not a bad week, maybe somebody to keep an eye on as far as rookie receivers are concerned. Um, and, um, I see here that he had a shoulder injury, so he missed practice. And, um, and I do hope that is the case because he's taken targets from my boy, Robert Woods. So, um, (laughs) anyhow um, yeah, I think that just about does it for for week one of fantasy action here in the Hawks nest uh do you have any any closing remarks that that you'd like to that you'd like to add before we let the the good people uh continue on with their their week two of fantasy action
1: I mean, good Lord, I hope they're not sitting here waiting for us to finish like you guys are doing stuff while you're listening to this right um no, I just just heads up to you, uh, more or less, because we talked about this before we hit record. I ended up starting Carter tonight uh, just because uh, Walker was downgraded to a limited participant. So um, I ended up throwing Carter in there, hopefully. That doesn't blow up in my face. Uh, and uh, also, you know, on the good news front, good news for everybody, but also me in particular. Brian Robinson spotted doing drills at, uh, at uh, commander's practice. So eh. week five might actually be, the, might actually be the case for him. So I'm going to if Bullets couldn't stop Brian Robinson. What makes you think the jets defense can? That's all I'm saying.
0: Fair question. So
1: <laughs> no, but I think that'll do it Uh good, good week. Good week, everybody. Oh yeah. Um, some of you guys, Uh, saw my, uh, my week one rap video going to try and do that every week. No promises. I have a pretty busy, uh, spend a lot of time on, on the computer, as you guys might imagine. So sometimes I'm not going to have time or the energy really to, to get one of those out. But if you want to make music suggestions, just shoot them my way. You can text me or whatever. Um, again, if you guys don't want Jackson five on highlight videos, then I would recommend that you shoot me video or, uh. Your music suggestions, I really don't care what they are. Uh, they don't have to be PG or anything. They're going on... Uh, they're unlisted on, on my YouTube channel, so nobody can see them except for you guys. I mean, you have the link, so... Uh, shoot me music suggestions. Last week was uh, Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue, which was also used at the beginning of the podcast uh, last week. That was uh, submission by TJ after the draft. Uh, TJ wants to make more. He can. I'm, it's not like it's one per, per person, but um, yeah, it worked out pretty well. So if you guys have any music suggestions, uh, shoot them my way and, uh, hopefully I'll have something out for week two, but, uh, we'll see how the schedule looks.
0: All right. That'll do it. So without any further ado, this is Maddie G signing off with Colby Patnode reminding you all to continue fading Matty G. <laughs> he knows things.
1: Fuck you, Russ. Fuck you.